are in Exodus chapter 6, so uh, if you would turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 6. If you were here last Wednesday, it was really lights out, literally. So uh, we were studying chapter 6 and the power went out, and so we went ahead and had to end service for the evening. So we're going to pick up in uh, chapter 6, verse 1 tonight. But before we do, I just want to lead us in a brief time of prayer. Something that God has been stirring in my heart is to pray more individually uh, and then also to attempt to lead in our staff and our church more uh, in the area of prayer. And so we're going to just pray through for a moment uh, what's called the Lord's Prayer, but it's really the disciples' prayer. Jesus was teaching the disciples how to pray, and it's not this... uh, you know, something that we just go through and repeat, but to stop and think about what Christ has taught us. So we're just going to read this, I'll read it, and then lead us in a time of prayer uh, in this, and then we're going to get into God's Word. And I think the reason I'm really being stirred in prayer is because I think the need in the body of Christ, in my own life, in, in my family, in our community, in our country, it's far greater uh, than anything that man can produce. You know, we just continue to see a desperate need for Christ. And so uh, I know today's probably been a really full day for you. And you have a lot on your heart and your mind. And hopefully coming to the presence of our Father is a refuge for you tonight. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity just to come together as your people uh, to pray tonight. And Lord, we just want to pause first and, and recognize that you're our Father. Our Father which art in heaven. And just take a moment to to talk with your Father, to rejoice in Him, to recognize that He's in heaven. And hallowed be your name. Think of just characteristics of God that cause Him to be set apart, to be unique, to be honored and revered, and just thank Him for those character traits. Father, we do thank you that you're all-knowing, that you know everything in the past and the present and the future. We thank you that you're all-loving, that there's no love that is greater than you. We thank you that you're always present with us. You're God with us. You're, You're Emmanuel. We thank you for your promises, that you're a God who keeps his promises. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Surrender our hearts to his will and pray for that in our lives, in our church, in our community. Jesus, we do wrestle with our will, surrendering our will to you. And tonight, we just acknowledge your kingdom come, your will be done in our lives. Give us this day our daily bread. If you have needs in your life, lift those up to the Lord. Financial needs, emotional needs, relational needs, struggles with sin. Jesus, you are manna from heaven. You're the bread of life. And would you give us that daily bread, that bread that we need just for this evening, just for today. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Seek the Lord for forgiveness in areas of your life and also extend forgiveness to others. Maybe resentment's been 
building towards someone. Let's have clean accounts with the Lord, short accounts with the Lord. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Father, we do pray that you would protect us from the attack of Satan. Lord, and it ways that he's attacking our minds and our families and our communities and bringing division and violence, Lord, would, would you be that hedge of protection against the enemy? And yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Father, we give you glory. We give you praise. We, we thank you for who you are. And we love you. We ask as we spend time in your word tonight that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So Exodus chapter 6, we're going to be looking at the hard heart of Pharaoh. Pharaoh's heart is going to be hardened to the voice of God to let the children of Israel go out of bondage as they're in slavery. And our heart condition is very important before the Lord. When Jesus was telling us the story of the parable of the sower, he said that there's four types of soil. And the first type of soil is just a hard heart. And the seed goes out upon that soil, but the birds come and take the seed. And that would be Pharaoh's heart. His heart is in that hard condition. But then there's shallow soil where the seed takes root, but the root doesn't go down. So when the temperature gets turned up because of the word, that seed is choked out. But then there's a crowded heart where there's thorns. And Jesus said, this is the cares of this world where we start to look at how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to get groceries? How am I going to get my kids through school? And all of a sudden, the word of God, the cares of this life, it chokes out the, the word of God. But then there's the fourth soil, and it's the fertile soil. It's that heart condition that's open to the word of God, so the word can, of God can bring forth fruit. And as we read through Pharaoh this evening, hopefully we can say, Lord, I want a soft heart before you. And the interesting thing about our hearts is our heart could be soft towards the Lord five years ago or five months ago, but it doesn't necessarily mean that our heart is soft towards the Lord tonight. It could be dull. It could be, could be hard. It could be distracted and allowing the Lord to really have the attention of our hearts. So verse one of chapter six, then the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he will let them go. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of this land. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, Lord, I was not known to them. Moses is discouraged because he was off to a difficult start. And here God is encouraging him, saying, I revealed myself to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob but I never revealed my name to them, that I am the great I am. And in those times of difficulty, we hold on to the character of God, how God has revealed himself to us, who God is. And then he remembers God's promises. He says, I've established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, in which they were strangers. He says, I have covenanted with the children of Israel. I'm going to give them the land of Canaan. And in times of discouragement, we must hold on to and remember the promises of God, to sink our teeth into the promises of God, to hold ourselves into the anchor of God's word and his promises. And also God encourages Moses by saying, I hear your prayers, I hear your groaning. And I also heard the groaning of the children of Israel 
whom the Egyptians kept in bondage and have remembered my covenant. And God hears your prayers. In times of discouragement and confusion and being overwhelmed, God hears that groaning. If you feel like, man, all I've got is a groaning to give to the Lord, he hears that. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. God's gonna show his power in his rescue. He's gonna show his power in his redemption of the children of Israel. And I will take you as my people and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from underneath the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you as an heritage. I'm in the Lord. So even though you're off to a tough start, Moses, I am going to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel, but they did not heed Moses because of anguish. This is interesting, isn't it? Sometimes we don't heed the promises of God. We don't heed the message of God the voice of God, because of the anguish, because the pain, the suffering is so bad. The children of Israel are having to go get their own straw to make bricks. They're getting beaten because Moses has come and he has shook the status quo. And they're saying, we can't believe the promises of God because the anguish, the difficulty that we're going through is so great. I think it's victories in our faith when we can press through our anguish and say, Lord, I still believe in you, even though it's difficult and I'm being overcome by the pain. I trust you. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the children of Israel go out of this land. Go tell him. I want you to Go tell him again, even though he's not been receptive first time around. Then Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, The children of Israel have not heeded me. How shall Pharaoh heed me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. Moses is still holding on to this insecurity that he has a difficult time speaking. He says, I've spoken to the children of Israel, and my own people didn't heed my voice. Why would the Pharaoh, heed my voice as well. And in being obedient to God's call, the insecurities don't always go away, do they? And a lot of times we think, well, Moses must have stepped out in obedience, and so all of his insecurities must have diminished, but he was still wrestling through these things as he was trying to be obedient to God's call. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a command for the children of Israel and for Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. God's giving instruction to, to Moses. Now from verse 14, all of a sudden we hit a diversion and it gives us the heads of each of the tribes of Israel that are in bondage here in Egypt and that continues all the way down through the end of the chapter. So we're gonna summarize that and move into chapter seven. Amen? You with me? All right. Verse 1 of chapter 7. So the Lord said to Moses, See, I've made you as God to Pharaoh, and Aaron your brother shall be your prophet. God's encouraging Moses as he's struggling to go to Pharaoh and saying, Look, I have elevated you in the eyes of Pharaoh. He's going to revere you the way that he should revere God, and he's going to see Aaron as a prophet. And this is where our faith is exercised as we step into something that God's called us to do, that he's going to give us 
the favor needed. He's going to give us the ability needed. In verse 2, you shall speak all that I commanded you, and Aaron, your brother, shall tell Pharaoh to send the children of Israel out of his land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. So God is going to give the instruction to Moses. Moses is going to give it to to Aaron. But Pharaoh's going to have a hard heart. And God says that he's going to harden Pharaoh's heart as well. God knows the heart condition of Pharaoh. He knows that Pharaoh's going to harden his heart, and he confirms Pharaoh's decision, and he's going to use Pharaoh's hard heart for his own glory. He's going to multiply his signs and his wonders because of Pharaoh's hard heart. So here's this hardness of Pharaoh, and God's saying, I'm going to harden his heart so that my signs and my wonders could could be seen. God's going to use our lives. Hopefully it's in a heart condition of being surrendered to him. But if we choose a heart condition of being hardened to him, the Lord is going to use that as well for his, his glory. In verse 4, But Pharaoh will not heed you, so that I may lay my hand on Egypt and bring armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. So Pharaoh's not going to listen for the opportunity for God to bring out the children of Israel in a magnificent way, in a glorious way where God's glory is shown to the children of Israel and also to Egypt. I think we need to remember this in our lives as well, is that God is going to use suffering. He's going to use difficulty for his own glory so that we can see his glory in a greater way, but also so that unbelievers can see God's glory in a greater way. So my dad likes to put it this way. You don't have a testimony unless you have a test. How many testimonies come out of tests? This is not easy for the children of Israel and Moses to walk through, but we know the story. We know how much glory is declared by God through these difficulties and this hard heart of Pharaoh. Verse 4, but Pharaoh will not heed. I read that verse 5, and The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. So God is revealing himself to the Egyptians through this as well. We do know about the Egyptians historically is they were polytheistic, meaning that they believed in many, many gods. And God is showing that he's the one true living God. And we're going to see even in some of the plagues tonight where God is specifically giving these plagues to humble their false gods. In verse 6, Then Moses and Aaron did so, just as the Lord commanded them, so they did. And Moses was 80 years old, and Aaron was 83 years old when he spoke to Pharaoh. So they're obedient to take the message to Pharaoh. Moses is 80 years old. Aaron's 83 years old. We know Moses lives to be 120 years. The first 40 years of his life were in Egypt. The second 40 years were in the wilderness. And then the last 40 years were leading the children of Israel out of bondage. So he's two-thirds of the way through his life. And you could say that his ministry is just beginning. Would you say maybe I'm two-thirds through my life? Well, we don't know, right? We don't know. God is the one who has numbered our days. But let's just take the average. If we were to take the average age... If you say, okay, I'm two-thirds through, through my life, you may just be starting your, your ministry in a sense, right? 
Moses was enrolled in God's school of education, of God's school of, of preparation. And he had to be humbled and had to become meek and dependent upon the Lord before God will use him. Don't allow age to be the factor, young or old, to cancel us from being used by God. God loves you. It's young people. He loves to use not so young people and everything in between, right? So we look at verse 8. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh speaks to you, saying, Show a miracle for yourself, then you shall say to Aaron, Take your rod and cast it before Pharaoh and let it become a serpent. Pretty cool, right? Throw down your rod and it becomes a snake. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh, and they did so just as the Lord commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. But Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers, so the magicians of Egypt. They also did in like manner with their enchantments. For every man threw down his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods, and Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he didn't heed them as the Lord had said. So this is a very cool scene here in the scriptures. As Aaron throws down his rod, it becomes a serpent, but the magicians are able to copy or counterfeit the work of God. And the enemy is always doing that. He's always offering a counterfeit or a copy to the work of God. But God always has the upper hand. Aaron's snake eats all of the magician's snakes. Yay, God, right? God's showing his power and God's showing his his victory over the enemy. But Pharaoh's heart isn't softened. Pharaoh's heart is not in a place where he goes, oh, maybe there's something to the message of Moses and Aaron. So the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning when he goes out to the water and you shall stand by the river's bank to meet him and the rod which was turned to a serpent you shall take in your hand. And you shall say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me to you saying, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. But indeed, until now, you would not hear. Pharaoh's got to be going, when are these guys going to go away? Like, when are they going to get the message that I'm not going to let the Israelites go? Thus said the Lord, by this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will strike the waters which are in the river with the rod that is in my hand, and they shall be turned to blood. And the fish that are in the river shall die, the river shall stink, and the Egyptians will loathe to drink the water of the river. This is a big deal. This is the Nile River, and everything for the Egyptians, their life was connected to the Nile River. The Nile River was the source of their drinking water. The Nile River was the source of their farming. They even had some of their false gods tied to the Nile River. God couldn't have picked a more strategic place to get the attention of the Egyptians, If we were to say, well, well, what's most important to the United States of America that God were going to plague to get our attention, what would you come up with, right? Well, maybe the stock market and maybe the NFL, you know? Who knows in which order, right? 
But for the Egyptians, it was the Nile River. For God to turn the Nile River to blood was to get everyone's attention, to take this seriously, that God indeed was in this. So verse 19, then the Lord spoke to Moses, say to Aaron, take your rod, stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their streams, over the rivers, over their ponds, and over all their pools of water, that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in buckets of wood and pitchers of stone. So all of the water being affected. And Moses and Aaron did so just as the Lord commanded. So he lifted up the rod and struck the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh and the sight of the servants. And all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. The fish that were in the river died, the river stank, and the Egyptians could not drink the water of the river, so there was blood throughout all of the land of Egypt. So not only do you have the water being turned to blood, but the fish are dying. And the fish are a great source of food for uh, the Egyptians. I'm sure everyone's attention is now upon Moses and Aaron. The magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments, and Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he didn't heed them as the Lord had said. So the magicians are, again, able to copy this plague, but they weren't able to remedy it. Isn't that what's really needed here? Is to cause the water to be pure again and to cause the fish to be able to live? They're only able to make the situation worse. And that's always the case with the enemy. He doesn't have creative power to be able to make things better. He only copies and brings counterfeit to cause more destruction. But once again, the highlight here as we read through this is the heart condition of Pharaoh. His heart grew hard. He didn't listen. He didn't heed the message that God was speaking. And Pharaoh turned and went into his house. Neither was his heart moved by this. And at this point, we got to ask the question, what would move his heart? You know, what would cause him to be humbled and really turn to the Lord? And heed the voice of God and say, okay, Lord, I get it. I've got to let the children of Israel go. But sometimes we've got to ask that same question in my own life. You know, what would it cause me to be moved by God? What what would God have to do to get my attention? Hopefully it's a lot less than turning water to blood, right? Hopefully it's a lot less than having to lay hold of what's most important in my life. And sometimes that's necessary for God to get our attention. What would it take for God to get our attention as a church in a greater way? We're, we're moved by the Lord. We're, we're attentive to the, the voice of God in a collective, in a corporate way as a group. What would it take for our community to be moved by God? What would it take for Colorado Springs to see its need for for God? What would it take for the United States? What would it take for the world, right? So we can ask ourselves and ask our churches and ask our community this same question is what would it take for someone's heart to be moved? Here's the lesson here, is when we harden our hearts to the things of God, many times it's a very scary road, isn't it? Our heart just becomes more and more hard. And thankfully, God in his grace can get a hold of our heart and turn it to a place where it's soft towards the Lord. But we need to be careful that we don't harden our heart towards the Lord, that we don't reject what he's speaking to us. You know, if you've been in the word and something keeps coming up in the word, man, take heed to it. 
When God is speaking to you, say, Lord, you've got my attention. I'm softening my heart towards you. I'm softening my heart towards what you would, would speak to me. In verse 24, so all the Egyptians dug all around the river for water to drink because they could not drink the water of the river. And seven days passed after the Lord had struck the river. This is the Middle East. It's hot. We take drinking water for granted. Like, ah, just turn this on. My whole life, it's always worked. Everywhere I've ever lived, I've been blessed to get good water out of the fountain. Crazy. Oregon, they have running water out of the fountain. Colorado, running water. You know, in the springs, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but in Colorado Springs, we've got good water. It tastes good. Like, you go up to Denver, and you're like, what are these guys doing up here? (laughs) It tastes nasty, right? But we've been blessed throughout our country. You just, just turn on the water. But here for the Egyptians, all their water comes from the Nile, and now it's bloody, and so they're starting to dig holes to try to get get water. Here the Hebrews were humbled to go gather straw to build their bricks, but now all of the Egyptians are humbled to have to get water. And the Lord spoke to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all your territory with frogs. (laughs) This would be a good time to say, uncle. This would be a good time to say, okay, you win, and we're going to let the Israelites go. Why frogs? Why is God doing this? We do know that the Egyptians, one of the things that they worshipped were frogs, And one of their gods, the gods of fertility, they have found idols, statues, where the head of the statue was actually a frog. So this is very strategic from God, first to get the Nile River that they worshipped, but now to get frogs and humble them by their own worship to cause them to look to the one true living God. God here objectively is knocking their idols down. This is systematic by the Lord and God humbling the Pharaoh and the Egyptians. So the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into your house, into your bedroom, on your bed, into the house of your servants, on your own people, into your ovens, into your microwaves, into your KitchenAid, into your coffee pot, into your kneading bowls, and the frogs shall come up on you and your people, even when you're at Chick-fil-A, and on all your servants. I mean, it's getting bad. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your rod over the streams, over the rivers, over the ponds, and cause the frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt, and the magicians did so with the enchantments and brought up frogs on the land of Egypt. So once again, The magicians are able to copy it, but not remedy it. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may sacrifice to the Lord. So Pharaoh's like, okay, I've had enough. If you get rid of the frogs, then I'm going to let the people go to, to worship. And Moses said to Pharaoh, Accept the honor of the saying, which I shall intercede for you, for your servants, for your people, to destroy the frogs from you and your house, that they remain in the river only. This is really interesting. So he said, tomorrow, 
And he said, let it be according to your word that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. What did Pharaoh say? Let's get rid of the frogs tomorrow. Why wouldn't you say, let's get rid of the frogs right now? He wanted one more night with the frogs. And many times when we're in our sin, as torturous as the sin is, we say, God, just give me one more night with the frogs. I'm really not ready to get rid of this anger. I'm really not ready to let go of this covetousness or bitterness or, or sexual sin or addiction. I'm just going to have one more night with it. Then, then I'll part with it tomorrow. You know, if we're really at a place where we're fed up with the frogs, we'd say, Lord, I'm ready to do business tonight. And if that's where you're at with some area of sin or struggle in your life, in our life, let's not wait for tomorrow. Let's say, Lord, I'm ready for you to do that work of deliverance. And the boldness here of Moses and Aaron to say, look, this is so that you know that there's one God. There's one Lord. And he is the God of gods, not polytheism, but one true living God. Verse 11, and the frogs shall depart from you and from your house and from your servants and from your people. They shall remain in the river only. Then Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried out to the Lord concerning the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. So the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses, out of the courtyards, and out of the fields. They gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank. So it's kind of annoying to have all these frogs jumping around everywhere. But then they all died at once and began to rot. And begins to stink. You can smell it right now, can't you? You ever had like vomit in the car? You can't really get that smell out. This is like vomit smell throughout the whole land. All of a sudden, the sanctuary just got really stinky. Just stink everywhere. Then the Pharaoh saw that there was relief. He hardened his heart and didn't heed them as the Lord had said. So Pharaoh changes his mind once there's relief from the frogs. And unfortunately, this is like us as well. When the pressure's on in our lives, and we're surrounded by frogs, and they're destroying us, we're like, God, deliver me. I'm ready to do things your way. Yes, Lord, I'm, I'm surrendered to you. But then there's a little bit of relief. Things get a little bit better. There's not the trial that we were in before, and it's easy for us to go back on our commitment that we had made to the Lord. Verse 16, and we see the third plague, the plague of lice. So the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your rod and strike the dust of the land so that it may become, so that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so. For Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and struck the dust of the earth and it became lice on man and beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all of the land of Egypt now the magicians so worked with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice on man and beast. The magicians said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart grew hard and he didn't heed them just as the Lord had said. So what's going on with the lice? We see what's going on with the Nile River. We see what's going on with the frogs. But what about the lice? Did they worship lice? Not that we know of. They, I mean, who's going to worship lice? I think what God is doing with the lice is lice are, are, are so small. 
Many times you can't even detect lice. You can't even see that your children have gotten lice. You have to, you have to go through their hair with a comb, fine-tooth comb, to be able to see if there's lice. But once there is lice, it's really hard to get rid of, isn't it? And God humbles the Egyptians through lice. The lice is so bad, now the magicians can't copy it. And what do they say? They acknowledge this is just the finger of God. This is not even the hand of God. This isn't all of God's power. This is just the finger of God. And God is getting our attention and encouraging Pharaoh uh, to listen. What are some other times in scripture we see the finger of God? We see the finger of God when God gave the law to Moses. God wrote the Ten Commandments on stone. When Belshazzar was partying with the vessels from the temple, God's hand, his finger wrote on the wall, meeny, meeny, tekel, you farsin. Jesus, when he comes, the woman that's caught in adultery, he writes upon the ground with his finger. The law writes for judgment. Jesus writes for forgiveness for those who will receive it and walk in, in his, his freedom. So God can humble us through the smallest of things, can't he? You know, he can use, use lice to bring us to our knees. Say, Lord, I need you in my life. He humbles this whole entire nation through lice. It causes me to reflect on just how gracious that the Lord is being to the United States of America, and hopefully it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. But God could humble us as a nation very quickly and very easily. It, it would, would just take the tip of his finger. It would take no effort on his part you know, all he'd have to do is say, oh, here's some lice, right? And it's completely uh, devastating. And God has humbled nations and history in the past. And so, you know, it's arrogant of us to think, well, God would never humble us. You know, or it's, it's prosperity forever for the United States of, of America. I think largely we've taken it for granted. This is the fourth plague. And this is the last that we'll study tonight. And the Lord said to Moses, rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh as he comes out to the water. Then say to me, thus says the Lord, let my people go, that they may serve me. Or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants and your people and into your houses. The houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies and also the ground in which they stand. So this isn't just a few flies. Right? Your, your house is just filled with swarms of flies. When you're trying to walk on the ground, you you're just have this sea of flies. And in that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen in which my people dwell, that no swarm of flies shall be there in order that you know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. So this time, the Israelites are not affected by this plague, only the Egyptians. Again, to show the Egyptians God's power. I'll make a difference between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sh sign shall be. And the Lord did so. Thick swarms of flies came into the house of Pharaoh, into his servants' houses, and into the land of Egypt. The land was corrupted because of the swarms of flies. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go sacrifice to your God in the land. So go, he's saying go. And Moses said, it's not right to do so, for we would be sacrificing the abominations of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. If we sacrifice the abominations of the Egyptians before their eyes, then they, 
Then will they not stone us? We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he has commanded us. What's Moses talking about? The Egyptians saw being shepherds as being an abomination. The Hebrews would be sacrificing lambs. This is abominable to the Egyptians. If they saw this, they would start to stone them. So Moses is saying, we need to at least be three days away. So Pharaoh said, I will let you go, that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only you shall not go very far away. Intercede for me. But Moses said, indeed, I'm going out for you, and I will entreat the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart tomorrow from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. But let Pharaoh not deal deceitfully anymore in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses starts to call him out on this. Hey, no change in your mind. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. He removed the swarm of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. Not one remained. <laughs> so they're seeing God's power with these plagues coming, but they're also seeing God's power with these plagues ending so quickly. It's like one moment the flies are there, and then all of a sudden it's a no-fly zone. <laughs> God's like, I'm Lord of the flies. Lord of the flies, peace out, drop the mic, see you later, right? Like, what in the world just happened? But Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also, neither would he let the people go. Pharaoh continuing to harden his heart. So two takeaways for us tonight, and the first is this, is what is the condition of my heart? You know, is my heart becoming hard? Is my heart becoming dull? Is my heart becoming distracted or crowded? In Proverbs 4, it says this, Guard your heart, keep your heart with all diligence, because out of it flows the issues of life. So paraphrase, God's saying, everything flows through your heart. Jesus said, love the Lord God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And it is a battle. It is a journey. There's a lot of heart work to be done to say, not a month ago or six weeks ago, but tonight, where's my heart? And has God been trying to get my attention? Has he been speaking to me, but I've been hardening my heart to, to the Lord? And soften your heart to the Lord. And maybe you've been hardening your heart to the message of salvation for some time. You've heard the gospel, you've heard that Jesus died for your sins and rose again, that there's only one way to salvation and that's through Jesus Christ, but for some reason you've said, you know, that's not for me. And you've rejected Christ and you've rejected the gospel. And I would encourage you tonight to open your heart, to soften your heart and to believe in Christ and trust him to do that work of salvation inside of you. One of the beautiful things about taking communion and we have the opportunity to do that tonight is it's really heart work with the Lord, where our heart meets with his heart over communion and saying, Lord, would you do business with my heart? I want to love you with my heart, so I'm, I'm laying my heart before you and allow the Lord to, to do that work with him. But it's never too late, nor is it ever too much to love God with your heart. Just continue to say, Jesus, I love you. I'm not perfect, but I love you. And I'm softening my heart before you. And please keep my heart from getting hard like Pharaoh's. 
And the other takeaway is this, is God is using circumstances and difficulty in our lives to declare his glory to others. So as we're going through a trial and we're going through a difficulty, in the midst of our pain, we tend to only see our own experience. We tend to only reflect on our own comfort. But as the children of Israel and Moses are suffering, God is declaring his glory to the Israelites and to the Egyptians in a way that's very powerful. And it's his strong hand. And the Lord will do the same in our lives. Many times when we say, Lord, would you use me? I want my life to count for eternity. God, a desire for my life to be effective for the things of God. One of the ways that God allows that is he, or answers that prayer is he allows suffering in our lives. He says, okay, you're gonna go through difficulty. You're gonna go through this, this challenge in order for my glory to, to be seen. So God is using these circumstances with the Pharaoh and the Egyptians and the plagues to ultimately declare his glory in, in a very great way. So as we go through our trials and our lives and our pain and our agony, remember something bigger is happening. And God's declaring his glory through our circumstances and through our trials. So let's stand together, let's pray, and we'll enter into a communion this evening. Father, we thank you for the example of Pharaoh. You, you knew his heart and you hardened his heart and confirmed that choice that he had made. And Lord, you know our hearts and we don't want our heart to be in that hard state. So Lord, would you search us? Would you know us? And even as we take communion, would you reveal the condition of our heart before you? And Lord, help us to see your work, your handiwork in the midst of the trials of our lives, that you are declaring your glory through the difficulty that we're going through. I pray for those that are going through challenge tonight, that you would encourage them, that you're setting the stage for your glory to be declared, that you comfort them, comfort us, give us peace. Lord, would you meet us in communion tonight in a special way? In Jesus' name, amen.